Well, good morning. I want to say happy Mother's Day to our mothers. I would like to uh, take a moment just to recognize our moms. I know last year we couldn't be together like this, and so this year it's really special that we can all gather together. You have been so steady through the years, and I want you to know that here at First Baptist, we honor you, we love you, we appreciate all that you do for your families. I want to uh, say also that we're grateful to God for your life, your love, your laughter, your legacy, Mother. Thank you for all that you've been doing for your family. You're making a tremendous impact on your children and on this church and on our community. I believe even on our country on a broad scale. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse 3 that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. So this morning, I would like to explore the topic of the rewards of motherhood. Have you ever thought about that? The rewards of motherhood. I think we can catch a brief glimpse of some of those rewards. If you look with me at Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, there's a certain mother I want us to focus on this morning, the mother of Moses. I think her son turned out okay. So we're going to look at uh, her life, and we're going to see what we can learn from uh, the mother of Moses. You know, um, Moses was not her only child. She had a daughter named Miriam. When Moses was born, Miriam would have been somewhere around 10 years of age. Uh, She also had another son, and uh, his name was Aaron. Aaron was perhaps three years of age whenever Moses was born. So I was intrigued in our passage today. There's something that I want to focus on. And it's spoken by the daughter of Pharaoh to the mother of Moses. And she says this, I will give you your wages. I will give you your wages. I got to thinking, what are the wages for a mom? What makes it worth it, mom, for all that you've done through the years and all that you continue to do even this day and this week and so forth. Would you you say that the first time you heard your baby laugh or coo, did you say, I don't need anything else? That was so precious. What about when you were standing there and let's say your husband had the little baby boy, little baby girl, and you said, come to mommy, come to mommy. And they took their first step. Do you remember that look in their eyes? Wasn't that priceless and precious? What about when they brought home a drawing? And maybe you're like, you know, you're thinking, what is that? But you've learned how to ask it. Tell me about the picture. But you notice at the bottom of it, it got your attention. Because at the bottom, the letters were not all uniform, of course. But you can make it out. And it said, Mommy, I love you. Would you take any amount of money for hearing that kind of thing said to you? What about when they rode their bike that first time or they they finally got in the car and they drove for the first time by themselves and you thought, that's my son, that's my girl. What about this? When they hit their first home run, what about maybe you say, my my kid hadn't hit a home run. Well, when they got their first base hit. But let me say, what about when they walked across the stage? and they graduated, whether it's high school or college or whatever. There are just these moments when it's like time stands still. And you say, you know what? 
it's all worth it. That's what I want you to listen for as we look at Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's stand in honor of God's word. I've asked you to stand a lot today, but let me just ask you to stand in honor of God's word. Let me read through this passage. We'll say a brief prayer and then we'll begin. It starts in Exodus 2, verse 1 this way. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And while her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman. And she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. And I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Lord, thank you once again. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. We certainly know that our mothers, they were a gift from you. Thank you for them. Thank you for each member that's here today. Thank you for every person that's here. Every life in this room is so incredibly important and valuable and precious. So speak to us. Lord, this day, we want to hear your voice. I want to step out of the way, and I pray you would speak through your eternal word. Lord, you speak, and we will listen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I want to um, briefly summarize seven rewards given to Jochebed as they were available. I think they're also available to every Christian mother that's here today. So let me first look in verse one. Would you look at verse one one more time? It says, now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The first reward I believe that God gives to a mother is faith for leading your child in the right direction. Faith for leading your child in the right direction. It doesn't say the name of Moses's mother here, but we know from a couple of other passages, her name was Jochebed, Jochebed. And whenever she was named, her father, her mother thought, what name should we give this baby girl, baby boy? And you know what they said? Let's give him the name Moses. But whenever she was born, her parents gave her the name Joshua, which means 
honor to God, glory to God. So there was a measure of faith that Moses' grandparents had whenever they named his mother Joshebed. We're also told here in verse one that she was a Levite woman. Have you ever done a biblical study on the Levites? You know, the Levites, if you even look back in Genesis, you'll learn something about them. They were zealous. They were passionate. They were loyal. They were devoted. They were courageous. And they were people of action. They were active. But later, like after Moses was born and after Moses became the deliverer and the lawgiver and all these things, the Levites were later called and chosen by the Lord to assist the priests. They were chosen to care for the tabernacle, to actually guard the tabernacle. Besides Moses and Aaron, there are other biblical heroes. Maybe they will ring a bell in your mind when you hear them. How about the high priest named Eli? Eli was from the tribe of Levi. Ezra in the Old Testament was from the tribe of Levi. John the Baptist was a Levite. And Barnabas was a Levite. I'm here to tell you that her faith heritage that her parents gave to her helped her to know the right direction that she should lead her child, her baby boy in. So that was the first reward was the faith so she would know the right direction in which to lead her son Moses. But the second reward given to Moses's mother was the fruit from loving her husband Her husband's name, we learn from other passages, was Amram, the fruit from loving her husband, Amram. You know, it's true that children are a gift from the Lord, but how do children come into this world? These precious gifts come through the sweetness of a man and a woman united in marriage. How would Jochebed learn to love Moses? You know how I think she was prepared to love not only Moses, but Aaron and Miriam. I believe she could love her kids because already she had tasted in her marriage unconditional love. There's something about marriage that teaches us, you know what, life is not all about me. You learn to care for someone else. It's almost like marriage is this, it's like a gym. And God's going to help you work out those muscles to learn to care and to love. And so I believe that the Lord knew what he was doing. He blessed this man, this woman with this uh, little baby. And they had already learned to love one another. So now they're just going to love him. See, the Lord knew that raising children through various seasons of life, it would be challenging. God knew that. And so he said, that's why I'm going to have a man and a woman. I'm going to have a team. They won't do it by themselves. There'll be a man, there'll be a woman. And you know, it's interesting because there are times in the ups and downs of life, the twists and the turns of life, when you need the tender touch of a mother and a wife. But there are other times in life when you need the strong arms of a husband, of a father, a dad. You know, there's nothing wrong with masculinity and femininity. It's not a curse upon a family. It's actually a great gift. And children are the precious fruit from loving one another. I think it's a reward. I think it's a gift. I think it's a blessing that God gives to us. But let's look at a third reward for motherhood. I believe you've probably been here. Let me give you some time to understand what I mean. 
but I'm going to call it the fascination in looking. The fascination in watching as your child grows up right before your eyes. And suddenly you're saying, was this the one I used to hold in my arms? Look how big they are. Look how they're taking their place in life. It's almost like watching your child. It's a miracle in motion. It's a miracle in motion as you watch them grow and grow and change. You know, verse two says, when she saw that he was a fine child. Why would she say, I looked at Moses and he was a fine child. And then she, it says, she hid him for three months. I think it leads us to that fourth reward. As we move from verse two into verse three, we discover yet another wage for motherhood, the fortification for living. You see, life can be difficult, can it not? Life's not easy all the time. Oh, I know there are seasons when it's all sunshine. It's great. But there are other seasons when storms suddenly come. And you're saying, how are we going to get through this? And all I'm saying is, I've watched as mothers and wives, they help us get through it. There's this endurance that is within them, and they simply do not give up. I want to remind you that this mother, the mother of Moses, her historical context was anything but easy. I mean, they were slaves, Amram and Jochebed. They both were slaves. They worked so hard. They had taskmasters who were cruel to them. For 400 years, the Jewish people had been in slavery before they were set free. I thought about also how they had said to the midwives, look, if it's a Jewish baby boy, then I want you to go ahead and take his life. Don't let him live. If it's a little baby girl, let, let her live, but don't let the baby boys live. The Hebrew midwives said, sorry, we can't go with that. They feared God too much, so they spared the Jewish baby boys and they let them live. And I thought to myself, wow, that would have taken a lot of courage. But then the Pharaoh said, you know what? They're not listening to what I say. So if you see a Jewish baby boy and he's still living, take him and throw him into the Nile River. It's cruel, but that's what the word of God says. And so that's the context in which she was trying to raise this little baby. So what is she going to do? Well, it says in verse three, when she could hide him no longer, because you know, babies cry. It's what they do. It says she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. Do you know that word basket there is the Hebrew word tabah. And tabah is only used one other occasion. Back in Genesis, there was another tabah. It means an ark. When God told Noah to build the ark, he said, I want you to build a tabah. And so now here's Jochebed and she reflects on that account. And she says, what I need here is a tabah. I need an ark. So she and Amran, they formed this ark. They waterproofed it. And then they entrusted their little precious baby into that ark, the safety of it. But you know, with all of this hardship, you know, you would think that this narrative would be about Amram, right? You would think it'd be about the men, right? Who is it God is using here in this passage? 
Well, he's using the midwives. They spared Moses' life. He's using Moses' mother. He's using Moses' sister. He's using the daughter of Pharaoh. I'm telling you, don't think for a moment that the women that are in your life have no fortitude, have no endurance and no strength. Oh no, God gifts them with strength. It's part of the reward. He knows they need it. All you gotta say in American culture is mama bear. And you say, yep, I got it. I know exactly what he's talking about now. Another way God pays mothers is by speaking to them as they follow their child's growth. I'm gonna call it follow by listening. Look with me at verse four. Isn't this what every parent really must do? I mean, do you already know your child's future? You already got it all charted out? I think most of us are just like Moses' sister. And what we do is in life, even though we're trying our best as parents, here's what it says. She stood at a distance. She stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. We don't know all that's going to happen to our son. We don't know all that's going to happen to our daughter. And so we have to kind of stand at a distance. But we can rest in this. Jeremiah admitted to God in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. He said, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. And in the New Testament, we see how God says, you know what I'm going to do? I, no matter what they face in life, I'm going to cause all things to work together for a good purpose, to make them more like my son. Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for good. It's amazing. It's amazing to me when you read these verses, verses four and five and following. The right person comes to the right place at exactly the right time. Tell me that's luck. Tell me that's chance. I will tell you that's not chance. That's not luck. That's God. That's God's sovereignty. And God's sovereignty will be there for you and your family, no matter what's going on around you. Verse six is an indication that God had not only prepared the external circumstances, you know what he also does? He works inside. You can't get inside of someone else's heart, right? But watch him, watch him when he gets inside of the daughter of Pharaoh's heart. When she opens up that basket to the ark, what did she feel? Did she say, oh, my dad said, put these little boys under the water. No, she said, it says she felt pity. She said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She felt such compassion in her heart. Why is that? Why would the daughter of Pharaoh even dare to disobey her father's edict? Well, I feel like Proverbs 21.1 gives us a really good answer to that. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. See, she knew this baby was a Hebrew baby. And so what would make her say, I want, I want to keep it. I want to love it. I want to raise it. But you know, verses seven and eight reminds us of, of something else that balances. You see, definitely divine sovereignty is at work in your family, work in your life. But you know what else is at work in your life? Human responsibility. 
Man, if you get off balance on either one of those, you'll go crazy. Divine sovereignty, but also human responsibility. Look at the human responsibility in verses seven and eight. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, she intervenes, she speaks up. Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, it's a good idea, basically. She says, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Man, isn't that awesome? I I love that. You know, we need to say, God, help me because I don't want to miss this. You need to track with your children. You need to stay engaged with your children. You need to speak into your children's hearts and lives and minds. Help them know what's going on in your heart. Yes, you're following them, but you're also listening to God and you're saying, you know what? I'm learning something as I'm raising this child. I'm watching the way God works and I see him at work doing this or doing that. A sixth reward is the fulfillment of a mentor. Look at verse nine. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away, nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Hmm, wow. I think I call that the facilitation of the learning. You see, Josh, Josh Abed unexpectedly is given additional time to impact, to influence, to instruct her son. You know what the childhood development researchers tell us? It's not what they're learning in the college years. From birth until they're four years of age, from birth to four years of age, those years determine so much. So what do you think when God gave her this opportunity, her son is given back into her arms, what do you think she did? You know what I think she did? I think Moses' mother hugged him. I think she held him. I think she loved him and led him. I think she coached him and corrected him. I think she would have little talks with him and say, Moses, don't you know God made you? Moses, don't you know God loves you? Moses, don't you know God has a special plan for you? And so whenever Moses is gonna go back, Moses, it's already in the spiritual DNA. Put it down in there, parents. Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Don't you almost find it ironic or even humorous when it says, Pharaoh's daughter says to her, take this child and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. And I got to thinking about that. I thought, isn't that funny that the treasury of the king is paying for disobedience to his edict? (laughs) I thought that's only something God could arrange. Well, let me give you one last one. A seventh reward is for a mother who truly understands the value of each of her children. She accepts the fact that she's only preparing that child to leave someday to fulfill God's purpose. And so what's she going to do? Sit there and pout about that? Worry about that? Dread that day coming? You know what I think is a better thing? Focus on offering them to God, lifting them up to God. Let that be your focus. Oh, Lord, while I have them, Help me give them everything I can. And here's a love offering, Lord. I'm giving them to you. I'm offering them to you. 
You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is about you and it's about me. It's about us offering our body as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship every day. But I think as parents, since we're entrusted with spiritual authority, I think also we could offer up our children to God every day. Say, okay, God, I'm going to offer them up to you every single day that they live. Joshua Bed's greatest reward came with how Moses turned out. Exodus 2.10. Exodus 2.10 uses this one little word, he grew. When the child grew, grew older. But I think there's a lot of growing there that's down deep, packed in that word grew. You see, this mother and this father made a disciples what they made. Somebody that's going to follow God. Somebody that's going to follow the Lord. Somebody that's not afraid of Pharaoh. They say, you know what? I'm going to follow the Lord. They must have raised their son. They prayed for their son. They prayed for God's purpose. Do you know that Moses was in Egypt 40 years? I don't know. Maybe Amram and Joshebed, they saw that whole thing. But then he was driven out of Egypt into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 more years. And so he came back 80 years later, 80 years of age to be the deliverer. Finally, the fulfillment of God's purpose. Do you think that Amram and Joshebed were still alive 80 years later? I doubt it. I doubt it. You see, you may not see the result of all those seeds, of all that instruction, of all that love and all those prayers. You may never see it in your lifetime. But God says, I've got it. I see what you're trying to do. And I think that's why he put it here in Hebrews. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, you almost see the same quotation of the stuff we just read. But you see what happened after that when it says that Moses said, you know what? I would rather be, I would rather be with God's people than to be with the world. I would rather follow Christ than to have all the riches of Egypt. And so he made a choice. And I thought, where did that start? The, you know the backstory. It was a mom. It was a dad who loved him. I want us to have an unusual time of invitation today. We're going to stand and we're going to sing like we normally do. But during this invitation, I'm going to ask you, why don't you pray for your children? Why don't you pray for your grandchildren? If you've never offered them up to God. Maybe you'd say, they weren't doing baby dedications where we were. I never got to do that. You can do it now during this service. When we're singing this closing song of invitation, you could be saying, Lord, I'm going to give my kids up to you. I'm stressing right out trying to control and manage all of life. And I'm going to ask every prodigal son, every prodigal wayward daughter to just listen closely to the words of this closing hymn of invitation. You're going to hear the Lord not saying, stay away, stay away. You're going to hear God saying something. Come home. Come home. He loves you so much. Lord, we've, we've looked at your word. I pray that you got us. We're going to have a time of invitation, but rather than people coming up here and talking to me, I would really ask that they talk to you. Lord, help them to lay it out there. Help them to surrender, to surrender their kids, to surrender their grandkids, to know that you work things out 
in Moses' day, and it was a difficult day, and you can work it out in our day. So you guide us, O Lord, as we go through this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.